August 5th, 2015. It's a lot from Pedro's show.
Watch for Pedro Show and Pedro, but not Brother Matt. So I'm here in my pad, but with me, I got special guests via Skype. Uh, you're in you're in uh, Los Feliz. Um, I'm uh, in what is going to eventually become Flea's um, Conservatory of Music in Los Feliz. Okay. Are they going to have to change the name because it was the Silver Lake Conservatory of Music? Well, that would be great if they brought that name over here, but we're not in Silver Lake. We're now in Los That's Feliz. That's right. So you're going to have to change the name. Anyway, I love that project, what Flea does, you know. I, he told me the story. He went back to his high school, and they got rid of the music program. He said, well, fuck this. So he started his own. We start off the show with Lazy Bird by John Coltrane, and then off doing Borrow and Bomb. Special guest, Mr. Keith Morris. Uh, Keith, can you tell me your first musical memory? Um, well, I, I grew up... Uh, in Southern California, and we have uh, here in Southern California at that time KHJ and KRLA on the AM AM radio. On the we would listen to it in the car. We'd get in the car with my mom, and so we were we were uh, always listening to. It could have been anybody from the Monkees and Herman's Hermits and uh, the Supremes and the Four Four Tops to. The Seeds and the Standells and the Riot on Sunset Strip, Beatles, Hollies, Who, Kinks. Napoleon the 14th. Uh, that would be, um, <laughs> yeah. And then you would have the Herman's Hermits so, singing Henry the Eighth. <laughs> I'm Henry the Eighth, I am. Actually, that's the first time I heard England rock and roll guys sing with England voice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, so your first memory then of music is car radio, AM radio. Okay. Well, my mom would also sing to my sister and I, you know, um, the pad. She, just off the top of her head, she would sing, uh, um, does your chewing gum lose its flavor on the bedpost overnight, which is Lonnie <laughs> Donegan. Um, there, there was a whole group of songs that she would sing to us. And obviously, it was stuff that she would hear on the radio. So, um, you know, and my old man was a jazz bow. He was West Coast jazz, but it was like uh, if he were alive and I in invited him over here to my pad, of course, we would listen to um, A Love Supreme in its entirety. Um, he was... Uh, before he died, he was listening to, like, Larry Coryell and... Um, uh, Return to Forever with Chick Corea. Well, you know, um, I went through a I went through a period where I was digging on all of that stuff, like the Mahabishnu Orchestra, and sure, I saw them play at the Long Beach Arena. Birds, of, it, Birds it, of Fire, it's amazing tour. music is just you know, uh, if you told somebody that you listened to the. It, in the circles that we run in, if you told somebody that you listen to that kind of music, you, you'd probably get punched in the face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're absolutely right. Uh, going back to when you were a boy, so in the car you had the AM radio, but at the pad, your pop was playing jazz um, records. Not only was my pop playing jazz, but he was smoking a lot of pot. He was... Uh, he was banging on heroin. My old man was a badass. 
Fox. You would think, well, why is he listening to, you know, why is Howard Rumsey his friend? You know, we, we had a, we had a little store across the street on Pier Avenue from the lighthouse. This is Hermosa people. Yeah. And he, my old man actually got to sit in with Elvin Jones. My old man would like show up to these gigs and he'd be bugging on these guys. And he, uh, obviously st- struck either the right note or the wrong note with Elvin Jones. And Elvin Jones said, you stand right there and you, you play along with me. What did he play, Keith? Drums. Oh, okay. He was a stick man. Yeah. Elvin was bad. I must have saw him. You know, Raymond first brought me. Maybe I've seen him 20 times. And well, some no, of them I'm, were at the Lighthouse. Most I'm, of them were at the uh, Catalina. I'm, I'm very illiterate when it comes to the jazz world. And one of my uh, new rules is if I go into a record store and they've, they've got a jazz section, I'm, I'm going to purchase a jazz album. You know, I'll be buying all of this new garbage, all of this garage rock, all of these Tame Impalas and, um, you know, whoever we're listening to and whoever I've read about or if they're playing something that's interesting that piques my imagination or grabs my attention while I'm in the store, I always try to make it to the jazz section and purchase a jazz record. I mean... You know, you, you've heard of Elvin Jones, you've heard of John Coltrane, you've heard of Ornette Coleman, you've heard of Charlie Hayden, you know, maybe a Charlie Hayden album, uh, Albert Ayler with the free jazz, you know? Sure. Um, and then there there's magazines laying around where, you know, somebody like Thurston Moore, Byron Coley, or like they're ranting and raving or going on a tear about whoever free jazz or noise jazz, whoever they're listening to. Now, I've been steered in a lot of of horrible directions. I'll be the first to admit, you know, I'll read about somebody and I'll put them on my want list and I'll go over there and I'll purchase the record or purchase a CD or what, what have you and take it home and find it to be something that I need to return. Well, that's better than shithorn. When you were a boy, so your first, if the first teacher kind of for music was your pop by bringing all this kind of music into the pad. Uh, personal level, your ma's actually singing to you. Uh, was there a drum set at that at your pad? Were you did you get on your pop's drums? Um, no drums. Okay. No, no musical equipment. Nothing. No guitars. Um. The, the the first instrument that I actually zeroed in on was um, bass because uh, my my favorite band at the time was Black Sabbath. Ah, uh, what's this like? Teenage, teenage, yeah. Okay, and you you know Ralphie Gordietsky. <laughs> of course, he was he was the guy that went with me. We went to some little music store up here in Hollywood. Ralphie I, was Hermosa I, Beach? No, Ralph, yeah. Ralphie would come down to Hermosa Beach because he would go oh. out fishing on the boats out of okay. her, out of Redondo Beach, out of King Harbor sure, or sure. San Pedro. So he was coming to my old man's fishing tackle store. Right, right. You know, and okay. so we ended up hanging out 
In fact, the first time I ever saw the Stooges was with Ralphie. We went to the Whiskey A Go Go. It was like their last run. They were they were on their last legs. Everybody was messed up. Yeah. Everybody had like you know the everybody was depressed. They'd put out raw power. Nothing was happening for them. You know, they were, like I said, on their last legs. And the the show that Ralphie and I attended, it was uh, uh, like a, I want to say it was a matinee, like on a Saturday or a Sunday. It was an early show. They, they of course, were doing two sets a night. Yeah. I think it was like a week-long run, maybe a two-week-long run. They they were all living out here. I guess they were on the cusp of um, writing the Kill City stuff or what have you. Well, but they were playing they were playing raw power, and it was one of the most amazing, incredible, like totally righteous. That was a religious experience. I I walked away from that just going that was seriously badass. Wow. Well, that's what that's what good gigs are for, to make an impression. Can you remember, what was your first concert you went to? Well, the first big concert I went to was, uh, um, I... Well, the first rock band you saw play live. Well, the first rock band I saw was, um, well, I saw Smokestack Lightning play in my aunt's backyard wow that's my aunt my aunt had pulled the she had an antique um bathtub that was removable i mean granted it was probably took two or three guys to move it but she pulled it out of her bathroom put it in the backyard filled it with ice and then poured like whatever red wine whatever cheap red wine they could find so they filled the bathtub up with the red wine and of course one of her friends, she was hanging out with a bunch of hippies. Somebody dosed the bathtub. bathtub. <laughs> so um, all of the people that were drinking the wine were peeking. Tripping everybody balls. Was, everybody was tripping, yeah. including my grandparents. <laughs> and the, I remember the band not being very good. They were, I want to say they were label mates with, uh, Steppenwolf, Three yeah. Dog Night, The sure. Grassroots, but that, that I think it's ABC Dunhill because I just read a Steely Dan book. Yeah, I mentioned <laughs> those three bands because that was the first big concert I went to at the Forum. Ah, it was okay. my birthday party. Uh, what what birthday? It was my fifteenth uh, birthday, I think it was fourteenth okay. or fifteenth birthday. Um, but. The, the situation that I remember was, see, we have a curfew. You know, yeah. when you're that age, you don't get to stay out past 10. Otherwise, you know, you're going to get tapped on the shoulder by the cop with the baton, and he's going <laughs> to want to know where your parents are and, you know, what are you doing out so late. And so the uh, Steppenwolf at 10 o'clock said, uh, we're, we're going to take a break. We're going to go backstage. We're going to have a couple of drinks or whatever. And then we're going to come back out and we're going to play our new album in its entirety, which was Monster, which oh, is Monster. like one of the most genius records <laughs> ever, you know, recorded. The, the, the artwork's pretty good, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the well, mouses of big, Mickey Mouse's. <laughs> there was some Rick Griffin attached to that. You know, <laughs> Rick Griffin's a South Bay guy. Is that right? Respect. Hey, what, what about this off song, Hypnotize? What's that about? Um, 
we with the Superman, uh, Mr. Yao and Mr. Uh, uh, Grissom. <laughs> yeah, Jack Grissom. Yeah. That, that's the video. The song is about how we're like being lied to. Yeah, one of the things that happens with Dimitri, Dimitri comes from a world in music where you can be creative and you can create scenarios and you can be the devil and you can be bulletproof and you know you can be acting you can create all of these personas yeah, like actors and, yeah. dude i come i come from a place where you just call it as you see it <laughs> yeah, of course <laughs> well let's listen to that right now keith Struck the unbelief, a large reward. 
Empty suitcases tied together with twine. A dusty army cap on the kitchen counter. The youngest daughter clips his toenails as the monitor slows. The other daughter flies over the valley.
the boulevards of Paris. They pick the pockets of nobility at the Hippodrome in Chanty. And he embezzles fortunes from the La Marseille Bank of France. And baffles police inspectors under the spell of a trance. He blackmails a million francs off of Countess Lerchoux. Then pours nitric acid into her bottle of perfume. He set bubonic rats loose on a Cunard ship. And he collected a ransom to set the boat adrift. Hit him if you can, but you will never win. It'll pass through your fingers like grains of sand. It's the shadow of Phantomas, the genius of crime, the master of chaos. It's the shadow, the lord of night, or the rooftops of Paris. The man, songs decide, the master of chaos, 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 chaos.
Pedro show start off with hypnotize from off uh, two points of view there Mr. Keith Morris Mr. Dimitri Coates came together to make that loneliness from brother sister daughter off their first album the fifth beat instrumental from Mr. Tom Tobacco out of Pittsburgh face breakout high tides version that's from high tides guys in Hawaiian shirts I haven't seen bands with dudes in Hawaiian shirts in a long time I wonder if there's wooden buttons involved anyway Mr. Tom turned me on that and I dug it the Claw, something brand new from Barron's Whitfield and the Savages, uh, out of Bloodshot, Chicago label. Uh, Lou Barlow's got a brand new uh, record. He also left Cali. He lives in West Mass again. Uh, something called Moving. Then Machine Win with uh, Lost Horse Valley, a poem for a pop. She was uh, part of Hurts from Space back in the old anti-club days, if you, anybody's heard of Mighty Feeble Comp. Um, Petra Hayden with Flower Duet after that. Tav Falco, Master 
Chaos followed. Uh, Taff Falco has asked me to play bass for him for a tour this October called the Whistleblower Tour in the U.S., it, which is a mind blow for me. Uh, Deer Hoof, Paradise Girls, and finally DNA. Remember them, Keith? New York City band called Lion no Noise. Yeah, that's noise. Lion on the sofa of life. I saw them at the Hong Kong Cafe. They had Rick Wright, the bass man, in Perubu before Tony Mamoni, and they blew my mind. Ardo Lindsay, Ray More, and Mr. Wright last year passed away. Tony told me he saw him a couple years ago, and he was walking with a fancy cane. And also somebody told me that he was having trepanation, where they do uh, drill things in your head, expose some of the brain, it's like you're tripping. I don't know about that. Okay, so the first gig was in the backyard with the spike tub. First big rock gig. Uh, where was it? The Forum? Well, no, I because I had seen... What was the uh, Steppenwolf? Where was that at? What was the venue? It was Steppenwolf, Three Dog Night, yeah. and the Grassroots at the Forum. At the Forum, okay. Right. Right, right. I think I, the I, Forum just got sold to somebody. I... Yeah, they they renovated it. Apparently, the sound quality is supposed to be amazing. Um, I've not gone down there because it was I, a church for a long time, right? Yeah, most of the stuff that that the last time I was there was for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. They they played a big show there, but um, I had seen Arthur Lee in Love. Oh, at, great at a Saturday afternoon kitty matinee. Over in uh, Rolling Hills at the Rolling Hills Theater. Wow, on the hill. You know, where you pay 25 cents and you get to see two movies, and they just happen to sandwich in uh, in between the movies, love. Arthur Lee and Love. Wow. I saw That's Arthur Lee many amazing, times yeah. solo, but never I got to see Love. That was a great bit. I got to see him with Raymond do a Forever Changes. Oh, yeah. Which was pretty bad before, uh, you know, he... Uh, he was a great musical cat. God, we, uh... Anyway, what about making bands? When did you uh, decide, instead of being a gig-goer, to be a gig-doer? What gig? Um, that idea. That, that's a good question, because um, we were never really musical guys. We were never guys that, you know, we had the equipment or whatever. I bought a bass. I plunked around on it for maybe a month and um it was a dan armstrong one just like greg Ginn. oh yeah this the, the see-through only the the four string version and i was just when i graduated high school i weighed 76 pounds Damn. and that guitar or bass that musical that musical instrument weighed more than i did <laughs> and I, I realized I, I was not really making any progression. My old man said, look, I'll pay for, you know, you go, you get uh, lessons. And I was just, for some reason, being a stoner, I was just, I was too stoned to get behind it. So it just kind <laughs> of went away. Uh, the situation with Black Flag, that was a whole different thing where we're just a bunch of goofballs tired of a lot of this the, the in Hermosa Beach in the South Bay you would go and 
hang out and see bands, but you were always going to bars. So consequently, you were dealing with bands. All they were doing was playing the top 40. Occasionally, a band would step up with a couple of their own tunes, and you know that would, that would be cool. But for the most part, it was all of these bands that were you know, trying to imitate the Doobie Brothers or the Eagles or what have you. And it was just, it was a bummer. It was like, you know, let's, let's, let's get in a room and see what happens. Greg Ginnett had a handful of songs that he, that he'd been working on. And we got in a room and it was fun. It was just actually the, the, it was exciting. It was, it was electric. It was so, so you stimulating. Mean that, you mean that was your first you didn't have a band before that or a musical experience, uh, music doing before that. Wow, no. I didn't know no. that. But I did know from doing that first gig with you, well, first for me, in Pedro here at the, uh, the team post, uh, you pretty, I thought it was your band. I can't believe that was your very first band, okay? And you guys did it out of sheer frustration of the lame gigs you, uh, you because you were going to clubs, right? See, I, and th- those days I only went to concerts. I didn't go to clubs till punk. I didn't know well, about them. Well, first off, uh, we went to bars, and you know, on a Friday or Saturday night there would be some live entertainment. Yeah, that would be your top forty band. We were also going up to Hollywood or going wherever we were to actually see bands that had recorded records or were on tour or the New York Dolls or the Runaways, the Quick. Um, I saw those bands. My, my first musical experiences at the Whiskey A Go-Go were like Freddie King playing blues, <laughs> like yeah. just playing like loud Blasting, rocking, badass blues. Um, Black Oak, Arkansas, who were one of the, they were like one of the house bands. Like if somebody couldn't play on Friday night, they would be the band that would come in and play on Friday night. Jojo Gunn, who were guys from Spirit. They were also regulars at the Whiskey. So I saw both of them probably three or four times each at the Whiskey. Um, I saw Carl Perkins. See, the the really cool... Well, hold on, Keith. We're at the end of the first hour, August 5th, 2015. Edition of the Peter Show special guest, Keith Morris. Hold tight for hour two. August 5th, 2015. It's the second hour of what? Pedro's show. The Young Republican Ladies Auxiliary won't be performing fellatio tonight. As it wasn't in their books, they read while in school. And it won't be played on piano by a drunken cad who's somebody's dad right here in the mouth of America. While large chunks of dark propaganda are being printed and peddled by ex-Nazi operatives who dress in their oldest daughter's apparel, dancing around with strange painted women wearing fashionable clothes, smoking gold-tipped cigarettes, 
blowing rings out their noses. Youngsters cling to pharmaceutical products, liposuction, and credit lines. Only the finest fermented grapes and the nicest of wardrobes for our downward spiraling minds.
find someone to finance the revolution. Charge it. Order it by mail. Over a fern bar lunch would be my hunch. Then pin the cholesterol handles to a dead man's torso. Cause you're growing tired. So blame it all on saccharine jive before time expires. You want to know something? Your outfit's a crime with those Hong Kong blinds. So bring them back to life in a colorful assortment sprinkled in sweetness and brine. It's one man of sweeping motion, Jack's black blowout, and the end result is this. The world spins in another direction and then it's something else in piss. Not feeling well? Dipping down, roughed up edges, depressed, everything is black and blue. I'll tell you what I'll do. Here, take these. Hey, what's that? A troop of acrobatic, well-trained fleas. And we've ruined it for all our heroes.
Won't you please come on home Out there beyond the starlight Baby, please return to me Baby, baby Won't you come on home Won't you come on home Oh yeah Out there beyond the starlight Baby, please come on home Out there beyond the moonlight Baby, please return to me Baby, baby Won't you come on home Won't you come on home? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's tired in his fighting arm Rebel night, the road you are put on Driven away from your home Ran on tight rope wire Earn your stripes, learn to be quiet And come apart to know what it is to be
for Pedro Show. Start off the second hour with Midget Handjob doing ma Mail Order Revolution. Uh, he's been enlightening to me the makeup of uh, Midget Handjob. He said it wasn't a band like you would think. It's more of a... Uh, a lifestyle, <laughs> a fashion statement. Right. Uh, and then yeah. uh, we had our Stevie Moore, and I played bass for him. Uh, it's uh, he wanted me to be part of this little opera he, it, called Sackful that he wrote for D. D. Boone. And then we had Yellow Bird from Mackie Burnett, who just passed away, steel drum player. His last year's living in Cambridge, uh, Massachusetts. Dex Rom Webler, uh, Weber duo Beyond the Midnight, Flat Duo Jets which had the guitar drum thing going a long time before other cats picked up on it. Shrapnel with, from the planets, and finally Hobo Combo in a tribute to Moondog, which a vendor, Andrea Murphy, who drums it. Uh, yeah, lifestyle. <laughs> Getting back to uh, seeing these bands. Actually, these bands you're talking about, Jojo Gunn and Black Oak Arkansas, I, I saw them at arena shows, but they were a little different kind of arena show. They were things called festival seating, so you didn't have to get put in a seat. And I, it was kind of on the road to go into a club where you had, uh, you know, more control over your situation. And, you know, I, I, when I found out about club stuff, it was just so much better than sitting in this assigned seat in the dark a mile away. That's such bullshit. But anyway... All this stuff uh, uh, kind of was manure for you to grow this crop of wanting to do music yourself. So you get in a band with, uh, uh, well, these guys are Hermosa Beach guys, too. How, how did you meet them? Well, we uh, all went to school. Costa? Together. Yeah, Maricosta. Okay. But we didn't hang out together. My friendship with Greg Ginn didn't start until after we had left Maricosta. Okay. I was working in a record store down on Pier Avenue in Hermosa Beach and the guy that owned the record store Michael Piper had a crush on Erica who was one of Greg Ginn's younger sisters. So Erica would uh, take it upon herself to bring Greg along to the record store. Hey, look where I'm at. And what would happen um, the playlist um, the the list the, the 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 music that we would listen to was uh, at the time was Poco. Uh, the the hardest it would get would be like Hearts' first album, <laughs> um, Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham's <laughs> album before the Fleetwood Mac Tusk stuff. Um, so working yeah, in a working in a record store also kind of informs your musical. Uh... <laughs> Well, I was reading Cream Magazine sure, and, sure. and Stone and paying attention to all of that stuff. And so it was, what would happen is uh, Michael and Erica would take off to go get a sandwich or go get something to drink or go smoke cigarettes, whatever they were going to do, whatever young lovers do, leaving me in charge of the turntable or the cassette player which meant we weren't going to be listening to Linda Ronstadt. We weren't going to be listening to Joni Mitchell. We were not going to be listening to, well, uh, one of the bands we were listening to at the time was the Tubes because Michael had uh, made friends with the Tubes and he'd become uh, their main source of, whenever they would come to Southern California, they needed to get some cocaine. They were known as the Cocaine Piranhas. 
Uh, but anyways, <laughs> they'd split. And the first thing I would do is I'd zoom to like a, a used record, uh, Uriah Heep or Deep Purple or Black Sabbath, Ted Nugent. Greg um, told me he was into Uriah Heep. <laughs> um, Aerosmith. You know, anything that was loud and anything that resembled anything that was not being played while Michael was in the store. Okay. So it was kind of anti-boss music. Um, yeah. We, we got we to gotta have a musical revolution here, and it has nothing to do with Laurel Canyon. Yeah, right. Now, what you got put on pipes because, yeah, you didn't like the bass, the way the bass turned out, so... I mean, how did, how did that come about? Your how boss singing to you as a young guy? I want to be a singer, too. Um, I basically, when it comes to being in a band, just had it dropped into my lap. It was just something... Um, we didn't know what we were doing. Oh yeah, I understand that. Just you know, we were feeling our way through all of it. There was sure, sure. There was no map telling you how to get from point A to point B. Yeah, we just did it, and you know, whatever happened for us, we were excited about it. You know, playing Pollywog Park, playing the Moose Lodge. Well, did you think about guys like David Byron or? Uh... Uh, what, Steven Tyler or, you know, the singers of these bands you were listening to? Well, those guys, they're like... Jim Dandy they're, Magnum. They're, they're, those guys are like real singers. Like, they, they seem to, you know, have some kind of, like, really amazing vocal power and almost like they come from a different world. Like, uh, the dude from... Uriah Heep basically was mimicking Ian Gillen from Deep Purple. Right, and right. Ian Gillen, like, sang opera. He was one of the guys in Jesus Christ Superstar, you know. So, <laughs> but but maybe it, Jim Dandy Magnum, a little different. Well, he just <laughs> seems like a, a guy that grew his hair long and lucked out to be in a band. He's still playing. He's still doing gigs. Believe oh, yeah. it or not, I met a guy... In Memphis, who, because he don't travel with a band, he just shows up, kind of like Chuck Berry thing. And this guy was one of these pickup bands. And backstage, right before the gig, they got in a big up fight over whether Captain Beefheart was bullshit. This guy told him, uh, Jim Dandy said that Captain Beefheart was bullshit. <laughs> and so they got in a huge fight. <laughs> Funny story. But I, I was a fan of Big Jim Dandy. I, I just thought he was. Something about. Maybe not the voice of David Byron or Ian Gillian, but there was something about her persona. In fact, I think that David Lee Roth had something. Well, you, don't you think that David Lee Roth like <laughs> tore a few pages out of yeah, Jim? I absolutely do. Except he never got good enough to do washboard, and Jim Dandy did that. Here, let's hear some more music. <laughs> At the garbage dump Being played for a chump Are you kidding? We were playing too fast Have you been smoking pot? Or is your head up your ass? Too much confusion Piling up like trash I lost my head I finally cracked Hardcore 
Yeah.
coat like a party She was lost in the city The next thing you The hospital had to
Tell us about this uh, song we start off with from off called Crack. I was uh, placed in a situation. I was asked to be a part of something. Uh, I was insanely excited and it was like you guys didn't even really have to ask me. I was trying to do this um, months ago and I ended up going down to Long Beach to a compound that took up, what, half a block in Long Beach, downtown Long Beach. And half of the compound uh, was being rented out to a band called Corn. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but um, in, in my opinion, you don't need to be familiar with them. Um, um, and I'm in a room with a couple of guys, and we're slowly progressing to the point where we're, we're going to get up on a stage and rehearse some songs that we're going to um, eventually take over to the Hollywood Palladium and play them two nights in a row. And I don't want to name any names, but it's um, it turned out to be pretty disastrous. Okay. <laughs> And 
Uh, at least she got a song out of it. At least she got a song out of it. Um, yes, yes, I did. <laughs> okay. Um, Just second. Uh, I, I'm, I'm. Okay. <laughs> People, whatever, 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 whatever we played, we just played. Please check the playlist up on the, the TWFPSD uh, dot com site. Um, Brother Keith here is educate me, and I'm ta- I'm taking it to heart these lessons because I shouldn't be screwing up like that. But sometimes I space, even though I'm even chowing breakfast, and uh, I'm breaking the fast. I'm, but I'm also trying to keep it together. Going back to to playing. So, uh, you went on to make other bands, but what were those first gigs like? Can you remember that gig you played with the Reactionaries? Um, I did because we played with the we played with the Plugs. That's right, and Alley Cats and, and, and Descendants, and, and and we played in the Teen Center. That's right. So we advertised it as a Teen Dance. That's See, right. we we were down the street. We were originally going to do that show. In that theater down the street, Star Theater. And, yeah, and and when we uh, rented the theater, and the owner of the theater was there, and we started uh, unbolting, removing the seats from in front of the stage. That's when the guy stepped up and said, "What are you doing? You can't do that. This is a theater." And we were trying to argue with them. Well, we're we're going to have a lot of people here, and they're going to want to dance. Right. You know, we didn't want to tell them, oh, they're going to throw things at us, and they're going to hate us, and they're going to try to rip the seats out. We were what we were trying to do was avoid that, and he pretty much made the decision that he didn't want any of the rows of seats removed. So there we were. Uh, trying to figure out what we were going to do. And we were all standing on the sidewalk out in front of the theater. And we looked down the street and we saw the sign for the teen center. And that's when the light clicked on over our heads. Well, let's go down there and see what they're up to. And they, they had no problem whatsoever renting the room out to us. It was a good show. What was there? Maybe 150, 200 people. It was packed. In fact, the police had to lock everybody in because that neighborhood didn't understand a guy from Hollywood with white riot written on the back of his ja- jacket, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> and the idea of somebody wanting to charge money to go into their team post, Randy had a couple. Randy Stadola had a couple knives pulled on him. It was, it was intense. Uh, but uh, from there. Do you remember your first recording with Spot? The um, first recording with Spot was um, upstairs at Dave Tarling's studio. Yeah. Um, I forget the name of the studio. Media Art. Media Art on the the second floor of the corner building on the corner of Pier Avenue and Hermosa Avenue. That's right. It's where the Minutemen did Paranoid uh, Time record. And, of course, um, we scheduled, it was either a Friday or Saturday night recording, and there happened to be a band playing downstairs. So while we were playing, whatever they were playing downstairs was coming up through the floorboards. (laughs) Uh, another thing that happened with Dave Tarling, um, 
was that he was completely overwhelmed by uh, our volume and the way we played the songs um, and the amount of times we played the songs because the songs were short. So it was like you could run through the song seven or eight times. Yeah, and of course. Now all of a sudden over the course of the night, you, you've played like 70 songs or whatever. <laughs> Look, we're at the end of the second hour, August 5th, 2015 edition of Off Peter Show. Special guest Keith Moore's hold tight for hour three. August 5, 2015, it's the third hour of the Watt for Pedro Show.
Okay, people, exactly. we started off the third hour with uh, off doing red, white, and bl- red, white, and black. What's that about? Well, if you look at the uh, flag of Nazi Germany. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's the three colors of the uh, Nazi flag. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we have the Blue Oyster Cult who did the red and the black. Yeah, of course. Part, Love part it. of that song, I think uh, we we borrowed uh, the, two of the colors from that song. But uh, basically, it's another um, polit- political commentary song. See, I, I catch flack from Dimitri because... Um, I'm moved by, you know, political situations and, you know, just what's going on on the streets here. And you can see people being beat down and you can see the oppression. And Keith, I can relate to that. I was a minute man. That's right. <laughs> so I'm never going to shirk from that. So Dimitri's got to grow up a little bit. Uh, well, after that, we had the clowns doing Terror in the Big Top. Then we've had Fever Dream number 31, Vietnam, by Cousin Silas and David Gerard. Uh, PNDC and Housework, European Day of You. Uh, Lucky, rough mix version from Zero Dent. And finally, Sisu Bam with Light Eyes. Uh, Yeah, you know, I mean, the whole idea of a song is expression, right? So why should there be any limits on that? Well, um, some people uh, in their form of expression want to, like, create scenarios. You know, um, the, the guys that I play with, they're members of the KISS Army, <laughs> and uh, they think that Van Halen and Rush are just some of the greatest music ever you know, etched into vinyl. You know, I'm curious, Keith. How did you get to this point uh, to playing with these guys? How did this happen? Well, one of the guys we, we've known for years oh, is yes, from sure. the South Bay, and that's Stephen McDonald. I, I actually knew him before his uh, voice changed. <laughs> <laughs> or when he grew a set. <laughs> he grew a pair, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, stand in front of Poser or something. I've known him since he was 11 years old. Okay. He showed up to that Black Flag rehearsal with Jeffrey. Yeah. And Chuck Joukowsky handed him, we we just got through rehearsing and practicing or whatever you want to call it. I like that. And Chuck handed handed Stephen his, uh, I guess it was the Flying V bass. Oh, yeah, the worm bass. And that that bass, that's a pretty big bass. It's a long <laughs> bass. That bass was as tall as Steve. <laughs> Steve. So Steve was the guy that was key to the, the formation of Off. Um, what happened was Dimitri and I were working on a uh, working on another band's record, and the other band decided that they wanted to. Uh, maybe wrench back control. They didn't want to uh, be under any kind of musical dictatorship, whatever you want to call it. And so it was, we don't want to work with him. And I decided, well, I do, and I don't want to work with you. And 
So here we are. We just got back to Europe. Uh, we were over in Europe for four weeks. I mean, granted, we're at each other's throats, but that happens in bands. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the thing, the thing is, um, our drummer has has played all of this stuff before. Um, he has been a member of uh, Rocket from the Crypt and. Oh geez, he he was in uh, Blackheart Procession. I mean, these are not your typical punk rock bands, but uh, San Diego scene. Yeah, San Diego scene, and he he also played in Hot Snakes. Yeah, great band. Yeah, like some really great bands. And well, how'd you I, find I, him? Pardon me. How'd you find him? Um. Well, while Dimitri. And I were writing these songs. I had told Dimitri, you know, you think that this is going to be the album that we're working on for the guys that we're working with, but they're going to make all of this go in a different direction. They're going to make this ugly. They're going to make this really depressing. And we need to be on top of this vigilant and we 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 need to have uh what would be known as plan b yeah and our plan b was okay keith um make a list of all of the guys that you would play with if you were starting a band make a list of bass players and make a list of drummers the lists were not long uh, in, in fact, both lists, there were maybe four or five guys between the two columns, column A, which was bassist, column B, drummers. Um, Mario was at the top of drummers. Yeah. Steven was at the top of the bass players. And <clears throat> I contacted Mario and said uh, that Dimitri and I were starting a band, and Mario immediately said, uh, when are we going to rehearse? Damn. And I said, well, we're not in that process yet. We're still writing songs. You know, we've, we've, we've got to come up with a few more songs, and we don't have a bass player yet. And then I ran into Stephen like two or three nights later over at the Center for the Arts, in uh, Eagle Rock. And I said, uh, during a break, we, we were watching a band called The Entrance Band. And they were really happening. The room's really bitching. It's like a p- perfect room to, if you were going to do a live recording, this would be a great room to... I saw nails there around uh, New Year's. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. a good pad. Yeah. What, what about this song? Why, I'm going to play this song called Wiped Out. Is this from the first batch? Um, no. Wiped Out is from the second batch. Okay. Let's hear it right now.
next step So are you begging bread? I'm just gonna be happier
lot from Pedro Show. Last music for this edition. Wiped out from off. Then Atomic Sherpas. That's Vince Baroni. Battle Axe. Um, Illiticism. God damn. This is hard to say. If you put the word citizen with ill. Ill a citizen? Yeah. Send a message. The Icarus Line. Brand new. Ride or die. Happier from Whale Oil. Out of Portland, Maine. Tbilisi 1 to 5. The Lemon Limes out of Oakland. Squidgy Scissors. From now in London, and finally Swenson Clay out of Canada with Fusebox. Uh, we got to thank somebody here. We got to thank Petra Hayden for putting this together, right, Keith? That's right. Thank yeah. you, Petra. Big, big, big thanks. And uh, yeah, she's helped me with so much stuff. And uh, actually, she helped get together Victoria Williams uh, last week. And uh, before that, her brother. Uh, Josh, you know, yeah. came down to Pedro, uh, and uh, so very indebted to her, but thank you too. Uh, you know, people, have they ever asked you this question, like, if somebody asked you uh, advice about this music racket stuff, what would you give? Um, right off the top of my head, I would just say, don't do it, <laughs> that, that's uh, a sarcastic response. What I would say is, if you are going to do it, make sure you have fun. Make sure you throw as much of yourself and your personality into it. Don't be like everybody else. And just be true. Just, you know, follow your heart. That's good stuff. I mean, it seems like it'd be common sense, but people get caught up in stuff, right? Well, yeah, they'll see somebody like they'll see they'll go and see a band, and the band's doing really well, and then they'll step out back, and there'll be a bus, and the, then the the situation is the the band's on tour, and their their bills being footed by some big ultra mega record label, and it's just like. If if that's what you're chasing, you're doing it for the wrong reason. Keith, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. It's a big honor for me to get to rap to you about these, these kind of important things. Thank you so much. Hey, Mike, uh, you're, um, you, you don't have to thank me because it's an honor to be sitting here talking with you. You're, you're one of my heroes. Much respect to you, Keith. It's been August 5th, 2015, edition of the Watt for Peter Show. Everybody out there, keep your powder dry.